to an open, uh, open air sort of dedication like we've just had. And that's just really good. And I'm just so thrilled with the way things have developed. And when Phil told me over the uh, email, he said, uh, it's going to be a special service. We're going over the road. I hadn't realized that you'd actually managed to get the, the land. I'm catching up a bit slowly here. But uh, I was just thrilled because it's great that the way uh, the Sunbridge Road Church is reaching out into the area. The church, of course, is not the building, but we do need buildings. We use them effectively for reaching out with the kingdom. And so when I learned all this, I began to, both Phil and I were beginning to realize that maybe what we had in our minds, uh, thinking of something on creation, even though that's highly relevant in today's society, which is constantly pushing against that, as you know. But well, I thought that I'd, um, my spirit really went to another verse, which um, I think the Lord has led us to. And uh, so I'm going to read to you from 1 Chronicles 4. It's not a passage we often read, to be frank. But um, there are some little nuggets in these amazing lists of names. And you'll see why I've chosen it as soon as I start reading it to you. Can I just say, I got a bit stuck in traffic, but uh, uh, I caught most of what you were doing uh, this morning. So I really feel, I wanted to see it actually, and I feel so thrilled as to what you've, uh, you're doing, as I say. And Juliet and I really are thrilled with the work here. Well, after, after we've read 1 Chronicles 4, we'll just read a little bit from John 15. So we'll get a New Testament reading as well. Um, so I'll just read these words. You'll, you, you'll see why as we come to verse 10. I'll start from verse 1. Uh, and you'll see why I'm reading it as we come to this wonderful character who's in the midst of this list of names. The sons of Judah, Phares, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Chobal. And Reah, the son of Shobal, begat Jahath, and Jahath begat Ahumai, and Lahad. These are the families of the Zorathites. And these were of the father of Edom, Jezreel and Ishma, and Idbash, and the name of their sister was Hazel, Hazalel Pony. And Penuel, the father of Gedor, and Ezer, the father of Husha, these are the sons of Hur, the firstborn of Ephrata, the father of Bethlehem. And Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hela and Nera. And Nera by him, uh, Ahuzam, and Hepha, and Temeni, and Ashtari, these were the sons of Nera. I think I should get a medal for reading those. And the sons of Hela were Zereth, and Jezoa, and Ethnon, and Koz begat Anub, and Zobibah, and the families of Aharel, the son of Haram. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, and that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. We're going to be preaching on that shortly, but let me just read to you another passage from John 15. John 15. This Scripture is a little bit more familiar with for to you, I should think, but um, it's the words of Christ as he is praying, and this is shortly before he goes to the cross. 
And I'm going to read from verse 9 through to verse, uh, almost to the end. Verse 9 of John 17. John, did I say John 15? I should have said John 17. I apologize. Thank you, Juliet's. It's good to have your wife with you. <laughs> Keep me on the straight and narrow. John 17. John 17, verse 9. I apologize, I said, but John 15, apparently. John 17, verse 9. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, the son of the one who would be lost, that's Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's you and me. Isn't that amazing? That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be, may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. That's a wonderful prayer of the Lord, which I'm going to touch on as we consider this amazing character in 1 Chronicles. You might think, why on earth has Andy gone there? Well, it's an amazing prayer. We don't actually know who Jabez was. In the middle of this genealogy, right, it doesn't say who Jabez's father was. If you try and find it, you can't find it. You don't know who Jabez is. And I think that's deliberate. Because God actually is saying here, he's presumably from Judah, because otherwise it wouldn't be in the middle of the list of Judah. But you've got all these names, like that very difficult one that had two L's in it, LL. I can't, can't find it now. Hazel LL Pony. She's never mentioned anywhere else. Sorry, no, their sister, yeah. Th this lady is never mentioned anywhere else, and yet sh there she is. And I want you to just realize in the middle of these genealogies are all sorts of names, and they only appear once, and, that, and they sort of fade out again. Why has God put it there? I think it's just to remind us that there are people there, sons and daughters, people were gathering, and you might think that you're a nobody, but God has your name. 
Isn't that lovely? You see, that's why John 17 is so relevant. God, Christ is there praying for those who would believe on me through their word. We read that earlier. And that's, of course, the people like us who believe because of the apostles. Your name, even though you may feel it so insignificant, it's important to God. So just realize this as we're introducing this subject of Jabez. But now Jabez, his, his father isn't mentioned His genealogy isn't mentioned, and yet suddenly he's there. Now, sometimes you might feel, well, I don't really know what brought me to the Lord. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't anybody else. I just came. I just heard the preaching maybe on one occasion or had an invitation, and you just simply have come not realizing quite what's brought you. And Jabez is a bit like that. Here is Jabez. We don't know where he came from. But he was clearly a person who was seeking the Lord. Now, we do know something about his mother, because it does say his mother called him Jabez. We don't know who she was. But she says, I'm calling him Jabez, which means sorrowful, because I bear him with sorrow. And there's often a lot of sorrowful backgrounds that we come from. Maybe you've got difficulties. Maybe you've had Troubles just recently. God knows these sorrows. We mentioned it in the song just earlier, where it's, it, it referred to the fact that sometimes we win, sometimes we don't. There are difficulties. And we all know these types of problems that probably are in your family. It's usually to do with relationships, maybe to do with someone who has sadly died, or maybe somebody's got into really deep trouble. And whatever the sorrow, I want you to realize that God knows every situation that you are in. Jabez was apparently born with sorrow. Maybe the mother went through great difficulty in the childbirth. We don't know, but that's what it seems to imply. But I want you to see that number one, Jabez prayed. Jabez prayed. And I want you to see that it's vital that we pray. Are you a person who prays? Maybe you haven't yet really got to grips with what Pastor Phil and others have been saying here from the pulpit. But you've begun to realize that there's something very important, that it's not just to do with the book, the Bible. It's to do with a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. When I became a Christian... I was brought up in a very church-going family. Juliet's the opposite. She came from an atheist background. And she basically had no church going. I had a lot of church going. But I hadn't understood that it was one thing to be singing in the choirs, one thing to be sort of part of the group. But it's quite another to know Christ personally. When I became a Christian, someone who was leading the group, who's still alive today, so... uh, um, so I must be quite young, but I'm not really. <laughs> but uh, the, the person's still alive. And he said, Andy, are you a Christian? And I said, I hope I am. And he said, Andy, you need to admit that you've done wrong. You need to believe that Jesus died for you. You need to commit your own life to Christ. A, B, C. And I'd never heard it explained like that. Maybe you've never realized that Christianity is to do with the personal knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what hit me on that day. 
January the 12th, 1969. So it's a long time ago when I became a Christian. That's really dating me, isn't it? So it's going to be 47 years. Oh, sorry, it's already 47. So it's going to be almost 48 years coming this coming January. Boy, that dates me. And yet I can think of it as though it was yesterday. Because I suddenly realized that being a Christian is not coming into a Christian group. Being a Christian is knowing Christ personally. And it links with what I'm saying about prayer. Because I suddenly grasped that Christianity was a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's knowing Jesus personally. My mother was pretty religious and, you know, I would nudge her as a child and say, well, is that Jesus as this person would come in, do all the stuff at the front? I said, no, 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 you haven't got the right idea, Andy. Shut up, you know. And uh, Andrew, it'll all become revealed later. Well, it, it took a long while for the penny to drop that Christianity was to do with a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jabez prayed. Proverbs 3 says... In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We need to be those who pray. Have you acknowledged him in your life? Secondly, notice this, that Jabez prayed passionately. He said, oh, that you would bless me indeed. I'm going to come to the main content in a moment, but I just want to stress that this wasn't just saying prayers. This was, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Let me ask you, have you prayed passionately recently? Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of us here do. We've been out in the service acknowledging the great provision of God for this building which is going to be built, we trust, soon. And eventually this one will come down, and we've been acknowledging that. But I'm sure much prayer has gone on, but I wonder whether it's all of us. I wonder whether you've prayed passionately with your heart concerning the work here. Or maybe, have you prayed passionately concerning the issues that may be in your life and the difficulties? Daniel prayed three times a day and he was known for it it got him into deep trouble <laughs> but the lines were stopped and he was known for a man big as being a man of prayer oh that you would bless me indeed jabez is rather like psalm 90 verse 15 where it says um yeah, Psalm 90 verse 15 says, Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands. Which leads me in to what Jabez prayed for. He prayed for blessing. And I'm going to come to the actual words he used in a moment, but he prayed for blessing. Do you realize how important it is to pray that God would open up each day to you and that God would bless you, not to just presume on it? We prayed all together out there, didn't we? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And that's what the Lord taught us to pray. Now, it's not just a matter of saying the words of the Lord's Prayer. It's a matter of putting yourself into the heart of the Lord's Prayer. Oh, that you would bless the work that you are going to have me to do. And the Lord said in John chapter 15, two chapters earlier to the one we read, verse 5, without me, you can do nothing. Not just something. We can't do anything. Without the Lord's blessing, we might as well just give up. If this work at Sunbridge Road to erect a new building, which just across the road, were done without any sense of the Lord being in it, it will come to nothing. It will just be empty bricks without anything inside. And even if people were there, they will be empty as well. Now, Pastor Phil, I know, knows that, and he's no doubt been teaching that. We do need the building because you have a vision and God's given you this vision to reach out into the area, to reach out to the flats, as Phil was mentioning in the introduction, which I just caught the last bit of. You know, there is, there is a huge need in this area. God has obviously placed you in a very strategic place and the Lord is with this. But you know, there is a danger that having looked to him now, that when the building goes up, you then stop looking to him. May I encourage you to keep this spirit of Jabez all the way through. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. There's a story of a vine which grew at Hampton Court. And it was way back in the 1970s when there was a big drought in 1976. I can remember it, probably most of us here can't. But one or two of you a little bit older than me, and you can remember it as well. 1976 was a terrible summer. Well, it was lovely summer sunshine, but there was no water. And we need water. And this, this vine was at Hampton Court, and it was keeping, keeping on growing. And all the other plants had died. Well, a good number of them, perhaps not all, but a good number of them, you know, were struggling. And the gardeners were saying, well, how does this vine keep going? And then somebody dug down a bit, and they followed the roots. And guess where the root went? went straight under the River Thames. It knew exactly where to get its water. As a lot of plants can find water, they will use their root system. It's an amazing system. Didn't evolve, by the way. And this, <laughs> we'll do that another day. But the roots, you know, found water. And it's the same with us and the Lord Jesus Christ. There should be something in you which says, Lord, whatever happens, I want you. I want the Saviour. Your taproot is very, very important. And Jabez had his taproot, which is the main root which gets all the sustenance, going to the Lord himself. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now, just look at the three things that he says now. Number one, he asked for the enlarging of his boundary. That's what he asked for. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. Now, in the Old Testament, blessing was associated literally with land and possessions. Not so today. They are a picture of 
blessing which we have spiritually. So you need to be careful when you read the Old Testament. The Old Testament, you don't take absolutely every single thing literally to, to apply to today. So the Lord is not saying that you should have a big house today. That's not what he's saying when he talks about Jabez. But the, the blessing was associated literally with land in those days. And God told them to defend the land. And if you think of King David, he actually saw problems when he went out of the land which God had blessed. And God actually had to come back, even though he had to flee from Saul. And he was tempted to go off again. God always kept on bringing him back to the land because it was specifically the land which God was blessing. Now, Jabez says, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. Now, what does it mean? It means enlarge your influence today. That's what it means. And this is why it's so pertinent to what you're doing. You're reaching out and extending. And you are operating by faith that God will provide, and I'm sure he will, the means by which you erect the building over the road. And what a wonderful thing it will be when you give a wonderful, here an address of thanksgiving and you rejoice together. That will be wonderful. And I hope if I'm around, I'll be able to come and hear maybe Roger Carswell or somebody like that, or maybe it be Phil himself, you know, preaching to, to many hundreds. That would be wonderful. But your influence, and we should be praying for that. Juliet and I have often been praying that God will help us in our own area where we are, and we found it very difficult. We've been praying that the Lord would raise up something in New Farnley, but it's not happened. It's, it's just not been the Lord's will, it would seem, at this stage. Maybe eventually God will bring a church to New Farnley. There isn't an evangelical church in our immediate area. And we would love to see it, but that's not been the case thus far. But... We should pray that God would make us an influence. Pray for your family. Pray that God will make you an influence to your brothers and sisters. Pray that God will make you an influence to your, to your parents if they're not yet believers. Or to your children if they're not all yet believers. To your grandchildren, to your grandparents, whatever the relationship. Pray that God will make you an influence. Pray for the elders here that they will be, have much greater influence. Pray that they'll have long lives. Pray that their influence will be felt, not just in their generation, but in generations more to come. In the middle of Bedford is a statue. There's actually a couple of statues. There's one of John Howard, who was a prison reformer, who was a man of great influence and who was a godly man. But Bedford's more well-known for the other statue, which is the one of John Bunyan. And John Bunyan lived in the 16th, middle of the 1600s, and yet his influence is still felt today. Why? Because he was a man who was seeking God's blessing, not only on himself, but on his whole generation, and through a tinker, who was, in other words, he wasn't a well-trained man. The book which sells the most next to the Bible in the whole world came from his pen, Pilgrim's Progress. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, that we would have more John Bunyans of influence today. That's what we should be praying. 
There are other places, by the way, which link blessing of the type that I'm mentioning with obedience. It says in Ephesians 5, referring to the fifth command, that thy days may be long in the land which the Lord thy God gives you, which is the fifth commandment, to honor your parents. And he says in Ephesians 5, this is the command with blessing. And may I suggest to you that one of the things that you should have in this desire to be a blessing to others and that you would have your coasts enlarged and your influence enlarged for the Lord is make sure that you honour your literal parents, even if they haven't loved you as they should have done, even if they sadly separated, and that's often the case these days, but seek to honour your parents. But also it applies spiritually. Honour those who've been a spiritual input into your life. Honour them. Honour the eldership here. Seek to actually honour those others who have had influence in your life. And then it goes on to say, not only that you would enlarge my coast, but then it says that thine hand might be with me. That thine hand would be with me. Unless the Lord is with us, we cannot do anything. Psalm 127 is also very relevant to what you are doing. It's almost literally relevant. It says in Psalm 127 verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labour in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes but in vain. Thank you for that phone message. (laughs) We need to have the Lord's hand upon us. I wonder whether you're actually thinking carefully as to how this work is going to go forward. Yes, the building will go up, but it's what goes on in the building that matters, isn't it? And it's what the people are doing and what people one's bringing in, that thine hand may be with me, that God's hand will be upon you in the blessing in the, in the children's work, which no doubt will go on. That God's hand will be upon the youth work that will go on. I was hearing about the fact that there is other community work at the moment going on in hope. And I think that may come under the same roof, whatever's going to happen. That the Lord will continue to bless this outreach. That the place will become a community hub. But if we don't seek the Lord's blessing on that community hub, which I trust the new building will become, then it'll just simply be doing good works, be a place where maybe they can get hot soup and all the people who sadly, you know, are in down and outs and difficulty in the area, no doubt will be cared for. But if they're not cared for in as much as they're then told about the Lord Jesus Christ, and if the gospel's not central, then the real heart of the work will be lost. That thine hand may be with me. It's not a matter of just fighting battles just for the social good of those around us. It's a matter of fighting battles that God's name will be honoured and that could lead to collisions and difficulties. It could be that some will be saying, oh, no, no, we don't want that... talk about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and how 
the cross can deal with men's sins. Oh, no, no, that's old-fashioned. And there will be the temptation to actually water down the message of the cross, which I know has always been central in the preaching here. Let's pray that God's hand will continue to be upon you and that the message will continue to be pure because the last bit goes on to say that you would keep me from evil. Now, this is important. And it goes on to say that it may not grieve me. And how interesting that the Lord says in John 17, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, John 17 verse 15, but that thou should keep them from the evil. You see, friends, it's one thing to be having a central hub, as I've just been saying, a community hub. And it's one thing to be saying, oh, that we would influence more people. And we could even be saying that we're doing this in God's name. We're going to give and help the community. But you see, if we don't have a sense of separation, then there is something wrong. And it's true in whatever venture that you're involved in. Psalm 1 talks about blessed is the man. And it goes on to say about the characteristics of that person who is being blessed. And it's very similar to what Jabez is praying here. Because it says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, but nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. So God is saying both in the Old Testament and in the New, and you know it says in 2 Corinthians 6, to come out from among them to these Corinthian believers who had got associated with immorality. He says, look, you must be clean, you must be holy. And if we're going to see our prayers answered, we must be those who are seeking holiness. And Jabez was seeking holiness. You see, if we are not being holy or aiming at holiness, because none of us can actually do this, and I'm going to come on very lastly to say, well, how is this done? But in Psalm 66, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Verse 18 of Psalm 66. If we're not seeking holiness, if we're not seeking to obey God's law, if we're lying about really what our lives are like, if we're being a hypocrite before God, and if, if we're quietly playing with the pornography during the week, and then we come here and we're worshipping God, do you think God will hear our prayers now? There's no way he will. If I'm playing around with the opposite sex in a wrong way, and if I'm trying to say, oh, it doesn't really matter about, you know, getting married first, friends, it does matter. It really does matter. Purity in relationships, it's utterly vital, particularly to you young people here. We should be aiming at having one person married for life. That should be every Christian's ideal. I know full well that sometimes things go wrong, and I'm not here trying to point the finger if that has happened, if one person has left. But it was your aim and it's your desire that that should be done as the Lord teaches in his word. My dear friends, you will not see blessing spiritually if we're playing around with sin. And if I'm fiddling the accounts at work, 
And, I'm, and yet I'm a deacon here. God will not bless this church. There needs to be purity in everything that we do. Keep me from the evil. That's what's going on around us. We all know what's going on around us. We all know about the laws which are being pushed, pushed big time from the government. Maybe this new government might just be a little bit less, but who knows? We need to pray for the government that they will stop pushing these immoral laws against us. Now, there could be real difficulties ahead for all evangelical churches. If you read the Christian Institute, if you read Christian Concern, and I'm sure many of the church leaders here do get those leaflets which show us what's going to happen. You know, you won't be allowed to uh, have tax exemption uh, soon because if you, if you promote things which the government doesn't agree with, homosexuality and all these things that they're now promoting, if you don't align yourself with those, then you won't be able to have a, a rates-free building and a tax-free and all the rest of it. So we're going to be in deep trouble as evangelicals in the future. You know that's coming. So you need to pray that the Lord will keep us from the evil, that will be kind, generous to all individuals who are seeking the Lord, but will stand firm on Scripture. Now, I need to close, but what I want to close with is to now turn this on its head. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is the one whom we must follow. What did he pray? He prayed similarly, often out in the early morning. And he prayed passionately. He prayed, much like Jabez did, that God, would, God his Father would bless him. And in fact, so much so was he praying like this, that in Luke 11 verse 1, the disciples who'd heard him praying said, Lord, teach us to pray. So the Lord Jesus is our supreme example. In John 12 verse 28, you don't need to turn to it, but the Lord says this, Lord, glorify, the, glorify thy name. That was the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was the epitome of the perfect man praying, even though he is God himself. God the Son gives us the wonderful example of prayer, just like Jabez did. And he is the one whom we should follow as our New Testament Jabez. But I also want you to see that he prayed that... God's hand would be with him in his greatest battle. Where was his greatest battle? Well, his greatest battle, maybe I will turn you to this, is Luke 22, verse 39. Here is the Lord in Gethsemane. And he said, verse 40, he said unto his disciples, pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. And he said, Father, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now, isn't that the epitome of what Jabez was praying? He says that thine hand may be with me. The Lord Jesus, even though he's the perfect son of God, was praying to his father, lest he would lose God's blessing, his father's blessing, as he goes to the cross. And he was really saying, is there any other way? 
But if this is the way that you're taking me, then I must go this way. But then the last thing that he prays is that you would keep me from the evil. I want to remind you that the Lord Jesus Christ was always kept from the evil. And yet he had to go through the cross for us. He had to go to a cross where the awfulness of evil would now come upon him. Why? Not because he was evil, but because of you and me. Because of his desire to save you from hell itself. Even though he hated all the sin that was now going to be heaped upon him, he knew he had to go to the cross. And this is why he prays, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus, naked on that cross, calls us all now to identify with that cross. When he died on that cross, he was dying to take my sin and yours. And that is the, the, the real heart of the message that will be preached, no doubt, from this pulpit, and I trust will be preached from the new pulpit for decades, if not centuries to come, until the Lord returns. Paul the Apostle said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. So in that very cross is the epitome of what Jabez prays in his third prayer, which is that you'd keep me from the evil. The Lord Jesus Christ was not kept from my evil. He took my evil in my place. He took the punishment in my place. But gloriously, he was raised again from the dead. The Apostle Paul says, that cross now represents everything that I stand for. That's really what Paul is saying. And he's calling us all to identify with the cross of Christ, by which the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. In other words, the cross not only epitomizes the salvation which was bought for you at such enormous cost, by Christ. But it also epitomizes where you should spiritually stand today. And it also epitomizes what the blessing will be on this church in the future. If the cross is central in the preaching here, God will bless the uplifting of his son. I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. So what I'm saying to you, friends, is that Jabez's prayer really points to the real crux of everything, which is the cross of Christ. Keep me from the evil. How? You can't do it, friend. None of us can be kept from evil on our own. But with Christ, we can. By standing at that cross, and when you failed, when you sinned, and we all will sin, we come to the cross again and we say, Lord, forgive me. May the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse me from all sin. So may I encourage you here, preachers, keep the cross central. Work in the creche, work with the children, work with the young people, keep the cross central. The singing, keep the cross central in your singing. Don't wander away from the cross. Keep the cross central in every single thing that Sunbridge Road is known for. May the cross of Christ be central in everything you do. 
may pass to Phil. No rich blessing and all his leadership in the future as they keep the cross, Christ crucified, central as the truth which is preached to this neighborhood. May God bless you all. Amen. Well, have a song, I believe, to close with. Thank you so much.